Nick Scrip, P2W Fantasy Podcast. We have the Dynasty Transactions Part 3 episode. If you did not check out Episodes 1 and 2, please do so. I feel strongly about the players that I mentioned on those two episodes. Uh, as more information is absorbed this offseason, you know, stances may change. It's always important to pivot and adjust as a dynasty manager as we learn more information in the offseason. But uh, this offseason, I will plug some dynasty fantasy football buy, sells, holds, always backed by a Y, capitalizing on players who have had dips in their prices and selling those with elevated prices is playing to win in Dynasty. I've mentioned now still being a good time to be active in your leagues because people are still watching and interested in football. It's on TV still. There's plenty of time in the offseason where that is not going to be the case and people aren't going to be as interested to deal just in your general fantasy football league. So uh, that's why I've been plugging these episodes because I still feel like there is a window where people may want to trade in Dynasty right now with we uh, us still having football uh, left on TV. So I have a few sells, a few buys here. First one, I'm going to say sell Marquez Valdez-Scantling a.k.a. MVS. So I'll call him MVS for this entire uh, paragraph of me spitting things out here. Uh, But six receptions for 116 receiving yards and a touchdown against the Bengals this past weekend. MVS had his best performance as a chief. The downfield threat with speed attached to Patrick Mahomes was intriguing to people prior to the season to an extent, and this playoff game showed that, although most of the season it did not. This performance was coming after a game against Jacksonville in the divisional round where he only saw two targets. During the regular season, MVS had 13 games of three or less catches, five games of one or zero catches played. You were always going to bank on a huge play or a touchdown when it came to him, more of a best ball guy. Career-high 81 targets this season, and this has to factor in Juju and Miko Hardman, didn't play the full season. Prior to these 81 targets, he had three straight years under 65 targets, uh, 65 targets with another good quarterback in Aaron Rodgers with the Packers. He is in Kansas City in the next two years. I doubt he grows into a heavily targeted piece, in all honesty, at 28 years old. So I feel like now is a good time to capitalize on that huge game he just had because, because again, all eyes were on that specific NFL playoff game against the Bengals this past weekend. I feel like an early third round pick would do it for me if I had him and wanted to get rid of him for the future in Dynasty. Uh, I think, you know, now also would just be a time to put him on the trade block and see what people are going to send because, again, he just had a standout performance. Next is going to be sell Christian Watson, which is going to trigger some people. And I mentioned a former Packer with MVS and now a current one as a Bears fan, but I promise I'm not doing this on purpose. Uh, I respect what Christian Watson did for his hot stretch this season. I was not a fan of his prospect profile with him not having much college involvement and stats to back him outside of being a 6'5 freak athlete. Weeks 10, 11, 12, 13 prior to the bye, he scored seven touchdowns in those four games. Two of those games he finished with over 100 receiving yards and were all 21-plus performances for fantasy points scored. 
Everybody was talking about Christian Watson, and he deserved that. He was going crazy during that span of games. He finished with 611 receiving yards for the season. Alan Lazard is a free agent. We will see what Green Bay does when it comes to addressing their wide receiver room. Keep in mind, though, that Aaron Rodgers looks highly likely to not be there next year. This certainly could impact Christian Watson in a negative light, in my opinion. I have concerns with the quarterback situation. You have, you know, he had a Hall of Fame quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. We know that he can elevate a wide receiver with elite athleticism who likely does not have an elite skill set, which is Christian Watson, who I still think is, is fairly raw. Can the next quarterback do the same? I'm, I'm not as confident. I'm not as sure. If selling the suggestion here would be to capitalize on the very, very high value of Christian Watson, which is partially why I am saying to sell because uh, I looked at the website Keep Trade Cut, for example. They have Christian Watson, uh, Christian Watson's value ranked above players such as George Pickens, Chris Godwin, Michael Pittman, Jerry Judy, Traylon Burks, DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin, Christian Kirk, Marquise Brown, etc. It's very interesting to see how high they have him. I I kind of was playing with their their trade calculator. Christian Watson, you can get, uh, you can sell for DJ Moore plus a fourth round pick. Uh, same sort of deal. Um, if you swap out DJ Moore with Jerry Judy, uh, Marquise Brown plus a twenty twenty three late third. Like these are interesting trades that you can get for Christian Watson. And I feel like you can sell him for a much higher return than what he might actually be worth. So somebody to think about maybe potentially shopping. Again, you know, did he do great things? Yes. I'm not being a hater at all on what he did. There's concerns, though. I mean, you had, again, Aaron Rodgers was the guy that unlocked him. And it's not like next season he's going to have, you know, Patrick Mahomes now uh, or anything like that. So um, have some, some uh, you know, thoughts on just capitalizing on value there next sell in my last sell will be sell Cortland Sutton preseason was filled with Jerry Judy versus Cortland Sutton debates it was this or that personally I was on the Jerry Judy side if you know me I'm a big Judy guy but I never was like Jerry Judy is good and Sutton is bad which I feel like a lot of people who are on the Sutton side would would say often um, Judy definitely had the better fantasy season, in my opinion, when he was healthy. Uh, 2019, Cortland Sutton finishes a top 20 fantasy wide receiver. I think people chased that along with the possibility that Russell Wilson would be the one to unlock that Cortland Sutton that we've seen back in 2019. Outside of that season, though, Sutton has never finished inside the top 40 for the position for fantasy. He played 15 games this season, and in 2020, he only played... I think one or two games with that injury, but it's still a fact at the end of the day. Weeks two, three, and four, he scored 21.7, 17.7, and 16.32 fantasy points. The potential receiving yard upside was displayed there. The rest of the season, though, he was very unimpressive to me. For the full season, 12 games under 15 fantasy points, with half of those games being under 12 fantasy points. He had plenty of games under 10 fantasy points. Nothing wild there. Do I think Sutton has flex value for 2023. Yes, I do. He's 27, so not like super concerning, but he's also not super young either. I'd rather have a locked in wide receiver two with consistency in what he's going to give me on a weekly basis. So if I could flip Sutton for a 2023 mid second, 
I think I make that move. I think Sutton plus another player for an upgrade wide receiver is a good move for you to make as well right now. If you are looking to upgrade, start with Sutton. You know, add another piece that this other manager may may need. Maybe it's a tight end. I you know I'm not sure. And then try to upgrade the wide receiver room. So now I have some buys with the first one being John Mechie. So I do want to shout out my guy, Kevin Coleman, for suggesting this on his show not long ago when we linked up on a podcast of his. Uh, John Mechie missed the entire 2022 season due to his battle with leukemia. He was a second round draft selection by the Texans out of Alabama. An article by ESPN dropped on January 11th with quotes from the Texans GM who stated, in quotes, He actually looks better now than he did when we drafted him in the spring. He's improved his strength. He's improved his lower body strength. Uh, His attitude has been great. Um, So these are are good signs, good quotes here from their GM. Uh, We were all rooting for him when we heard about his, um, you know, he was going to be out for the season due to his battle with leukemia. So hearing that he's, he's looking much better, it's a good sign. I mean, second round draft pick. Uh, here's some of the games for Alabama, um, his final season in college. So, uh, 13 receptions for 150 yards, 10 receptions for 173 receiving yards and a touchdown, uh, 11 receptions for 121 receiving yards and two touchdowns, seven receptions and 117 receiving yards and a touchdown, uh, in total 96 receptions, 1,142 receiving yards and eight touchdowns. This is at Alabama. They don't have just cakewalk opponents every single week. Since 2008, there have been only six different Alabama wide receivers to eclipse 900 uh, receiving yards in multiple seasons. Those players, Julio Jones, uh, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, Jerry Judy, Devonta Smith, and John Mechie. So very, very good company to be around. 50% of his career total yards came after the catch. So he has that in his bag as well. Houston has the second overall pick. These guys are going to get an upgrade at the quarterback position. It, it should just be inevitable at this point to say that, which should have major dynasty implications for a young wide receiver in John Mechie. Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins are there. I'm sure there's going to be a world where Brandon Cooks, who is not super young, is not going to be there a long time, or that Mechie just steps in and, and makes an impact on this wide receiver room if he is fully healthy. We've seen what he could do at a good school in Alabama and the numbers he put up. So can you toss a, a third-round pick to see if it lands? Potentially, can you add John Mechie in a deal as a piece of the deal where he isn't the focus? and you're just adding him on to a deal, I think there's the potential for that too. But again, with a guy who had a health scare, didn't play the entire season, but has a pretty decent resume uh, as a young wide receiver, I think that has some um, appeal to capitalize on him now before we see him actually running routes again and making plays. Next, uh, by Chikosium Okonkwo. So Chig Okonkwo rookie tight end from this past season this you'll need to check on the price uh first though because again we got a rookie tight end who had some flashes and maybe harder to trade for you know him in the end you just have to kind of feel out the other manager uh ryan Tannehill week nine began using chig okonkwo as a field stretching tight end weeks 9 10 11 he had 48 41 and 31 yards per reception so he was making some big plays in this tennessee offense then come week 12 we saw heavier involvement 
weeks 12 through 15, he had at least five targets in all of those games. Two top 10 fantasy performances within that stretch. He capped off week 18 as a top 10 fantasy tight end as well. Three touchdowns on the year, 450 receiving yards on just 32 catches. Not bad for a rookie tight end who was drafted in the fourth round and was the tight end two on the depth chart behind Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper, speaking of him, is set to hit free agency. I don't think he did anything in Tennessee that would give us a sign that they're going to go and pay Austin Hooper. So now you have a young rookie tight end who in his sophomore season may be the starting tight end on a team who doesn't have tons of pass catching depth and uh, power. Tight ends with receiving uh, yard upside is appealing. With Chig, we've seen that. Now we may see a full season of him, you know, him having more consistent targets in this offense. Everyone talks about how the tight end position for fantasy outside of the elite tier is a shit show. In my opinion, if you are not trying to be strategic with the tight end room, you aren't playing dynasty right and you are giving into group think when it comes to the position. Can you get Chig included into a deal as an add-on piece? I, I think so. But you have to, again, check on the value because I looked at, again, that Keep Trade Cut website and they're saying that you know he has similar value to Antonio Gibson or Jacoby Myers, which I don't think I'd be ready just to send those guys to go and get Chigo Conquo. Um, but again, league to league, it may be different when it comes to him because he didn't like light the world on fire for the entire season. Next, I'm going to say by Daniel Jones. So one of the better sleeper hits that I had prior to this uh, the start of the season was Daniel Jones. I'll have a reflection podcast on another day with hits and misses, but Danny Dimes was a quality call uh, on my part. You know, I mentioned prior to the season the coaching change with Brian Dayball, uh, them improving their system to a degree, the rushing that he brings, etc. Career season for Daniel Jones in completions, passing yards, rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, and of course for the fantasy world. Weeks 1 through 17, he finished as a quarterback 7 overall, and he averaged a solid 18.3 fantasy points per game. Player profiler ranked Dimes number 5 in accuracy rating and number 1 in true completion percentage. He finished number 7 in QBR. He was a top five rushing quarterback and was top three in rushing touchdowns. He threw for 3,205 passing yards on the year to add to his rushing total. The Giants were 9-7-1 this year. They won a playoff game. This was a team that was 4-13 the year prior. So we have seen the improvements to the system. Successful fantasy year for Daniel Jones, and he was throwing two guys like Isaiah Hodgins, Richie James, and Darius Slayton. Yes, Saquon Barkley was in the system, but that was their wide receiver room. And those guys stepped up for sure, but it's not a strong wide receiver room. So we have a fantasy quarterback who was top 10 this year, and he may have improvements in New York to the weapons that he is throwing to. I think they pay him at the end of the day. He is going to be a guy that I think proved it this year due to having a career year, due to the Giants being a playoff team and winning a playoff game. I think he will be back as a Giant. I think they will pay, uh, pay the man. And I also think that they will want to give him some more weapons to actually throw to. So in a super flex league where you can start two quarterbacks, can you send an early second, you know, the 201? You know, you might have to pay, you know, a late first at the end of the day, but I, I, I was impressed by him, and we know the 
upside of mobile quarterbacks in fantasy, and Daniel Jones showed us that this season. Last one here, maybe a little bit sneaky, but by Alexander Madison. So some risk here with Alexander Madison being an unrestricted free agent, but when playing 50% of the snaps, he has averaged 93.83 rushing yards and 22.48 fantasy points per game. I did this in Excel, and it was a six-game sample size uh, where I, I also um, found that he averaged 0.5 rushing touchdowns and 4.166 receptions uh, in those games. So AKA when given the opportunity, Madison has been good. He's 24 years old. There are places he can land where his value can shoot up, which means for Dynasty, you'd have to buy before that happens. Is there an opening in Las Vegas or New York with the Giants if Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley land elsewhere in free agency? The Dolphins are appealing for the long run. Uh, The Saints down the road with Alvin Kamara aging. The Panthers. Maybe the Texans, Rams, or Falcons are not content with who they have in their running back room. He can't cost much, and to really ballpark this one is a bit difficult. Uh, Maybe you can start with a third-round pick and kind of go from there in one quarterback leagues. But, again, we got a, a running back who has shown us to be good when given the opportunity. He's only 24 years old. He doesn't have a ton of um, track on his tires, and there's going to be teams that are going to be looking for a running back this offseason, and you want to make that move prior to him actually landing somewhere and, and having a bump in his value. So that'll do it for uh, for this episode, Dynasty Transactions 3. Again, if you did not check out episodes 1 and 2, please be sure to do so. Be sure to subscribe if you do listen to this podcast. I will go over some bigger trade targets uh, through the offseason that you'll probably have to pay for. So some of these names don't maybe sound like the most appealing in the world, but I'm trying to find those pieces in Dynasty that can be uh, beneficial down the road and might not have tons of value right now, but you can capitalize on uh, later um, and and have that uh, elevated um, asset value versus what you paid for them right now. Uh, but again, I will discuss some guys that are bigger trade targets as the uh, the offseason goes on. But enjoy the rest of the football season that we still have hanging on. And again, be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast.